1: Welcome, everyone, to another exciting episode of Supernatural Girls Radio. I'm your host, Patricia Baker, and I'm here with my co-host from sunny Tucson. PK, how are you tonight? I don't know. I'm looking for the sun. I heard the word. I haven't seen any. <laughs> <laughs> you haven't. I know. The no, weather's been crazy. crazy. Oh, That's boy. For sure. It's not even sunny that in Tucson. Superb. That's not good. That's not good at all. No. My goodness.
2: Right now, where we've got the gem and mineral show is just started this week.
1: Traffic yeah. is
2: absolutely a nightmare. You can't get around town at all. It's Uh-oh. horrible. Oh no! So as as a for that we're impatient because it's cooler than they anticipated. The sun has been overcast today. I should say no sun, overcast. So everybody's
1: just kind of, shall we say, there's a little road rage going on. Uh oh. Well, it's good that you're hunkering uh-huh. down, staying inside, getting staying away from everybody. It's the safest place to be, right? Yes, and they're thankful I am, too. <laughs> I <I'd> probably <laughs> need the worst
2: problem on the road.
1: Oh, gosh. Oh, my. Well, now tell us what's happening with the numbers. Where are we today, well, and what's coming up? what we're really looking at right now is
2: today's the seven-day, and it's all about secrets being made known, how to do things differently about learning, being taught things, being able to teach things, all of the above, which very well goes along with our show this evening. Oh, yeah. different things that are ongoing. And one of the best parts is that we're getting ready to go into a five-month starting February 1st. And thank you, God, because it's all about change. Uh, there's a luck factor that goes to it, all kinds of good stuff. And there's more about the month itself on my webpage. So they could go there because through all Valentine's Day is coming and there's
1: some, a few ideas for people. Oh, good. Never and that's it, Patricia Yeah, PatriciaKirkman.com contains all that great information. And you can also book a session with PK on her website for your numbers. You can find out personally what's going to happen for you this year, what your strengths are, what your challenges are. Again, PatriciaKirkman.com. That's where you'll find that information. And there's also information on there about what you're doing that makes everybody take notice because I've got that there too so that we – we're a team, kiddo. We've got both of them. We are a team. Things. I know. Yeah, that soul realignment. I did another bunch of sessions this past week. So powerful. I love doing the work. Happy to work with my audience members, and you can just send me an email. We'll set up a date and time for you to have that magical experience. It's, it is tremendous work. And after having been a therapist for over 20 years and a dream analyst, I always like to add tools to my toolbox. And Mm -hmm. this is another one that it's just so much fun. And it also gives you a depth of insight that I find a lot of other things just don't offer. So I'm happy to do it. And again, you'll find me on the website, SupernaturalGirlsWithAZ.com. You can shoot me an email from there. And, again, PatriciaKirkman.com, and also Patricia is, of course, on our Supernatural Girls website, so you can find her both places. And get yourself the insight that you need to have a better life. That's what it's all about. So we've had some very strange occurrences this week, as always. Things seem to be popping <laughs> up, right, Okay, More and more. My gosh. Well, you
2: know what we were talking about, Secrets being made known, the young boy yes. here in uh, that found out that uh, the iPhone has been listening in and uh, telling secrets. What are you going to say to that?
1: that? Oh, my God. See, there's a secret being revealed. People were being spied on. They didn't even know it.
2: Ah. (laughs) Nobody knew it. I uh, would love to know who was collecting information and where it's gone.
1: Oh, yes, that would be nice to know. And I guess they they shut down the group feature, so at least you can't Mm – can't spy on groups i'm not sure about the personal one i think they can still spy through that so i shut my well, down the,
2: so they can't they're saying hold off and the main thing is i just wonder how many relationships are going to be blown out of the water this down time mm-hmm. today because of what was just made known oh I thought,
1: gosh that's right. oh my well let's hope it's a peaceful ending for whatever needs to end <laughs> god i hope so oh i know it i know it so We have had reports all over the country of loud booms. We've talked about those on the air. But now people are reporting shaking and rumbling throughout Panama City, that whole county, I guess. And people were in their houses crying, screaming, thinking that they were having an earthquake. And it wasn't an earthquake, apparently. They don't know what caused it so Mm -hmm. they are still looking for an answer they don't have one but the National Weather Service meteorologist said there was no lightning in the area or any other recorded phenomena that could have possibly caused the shaking and rumbling and the officials with the United States Geological Service said they don't have any records of any earthquakes so nobody knows what's happening they did suggest that people check with the Air Force, but they claim nothing's going on at their end, so I'm not sure what that is. Maybe that secret could be revealed. That's scary. I was going to say, even word. do you think they were going to tell us? Of course not. They never tell us.
2: <laughs> See, I
1: told you, you're not eating your Wheaties. You're letting things slide by. We can't do that. You can't let it slide. You've no. got to get to the bottom no. of all these things, you know? And there That's was it. also very tragic incident that happened near area fifty one. Did you see that? This yes, man? I was surprised at poor soul. I was very surprised to see this. This man was uh I guess in an area that uh I guess they considered it a security breach at the Nevada National Security Site in area fifty one. They saw him with a silver cylindrical object and He didn't respond to the officers' verbal commands to stop, and they opened fire on him and they killed him right then and there. Now, nobody knows why he was there. Yeah. And, or, I mean, you know, I don't get it. It's like, I have to say, when somebody isn't responding, do you really have to open fire to the point where you kill them? I mean, why not just like wound them and then you can talk to them after and see what's going on? I mean, this guy might have had a mental illness or something or who knows? I don't know. Of course we can't find out now, but it's uh it just seems like it's a little over the top some of these things going on with firepower. But did these you know, days.
2: Nothing was said about what the cylinder was? Did it just yeah, evaporate
1: after you got it just said it could have been an empty can of ice house or a flashlight. Well, can't you see but that? I mean, wouldn't you be able to see shot that? Up. He's
2: not fighting you anymore. It's, it should be laying right there in front of you.
1: That's right. And there was nothing, nothing reported. Well, you know, we still have that mystery out in New Mexico that we're still digging into. And where that Belgian tourist was found dead and then mm-hmm. was never... Next of kin apparently was never notified. That's still a big secret. So yeah, they love to lock these things away. And but the other thing that was such an interesting story this past week was about the North Carolina boy who disappeared. Remember this one? This is this so cool? He but his grandmother. Yeah. I don't. This I have to say. I'm not a mother. You are, and you're also a grandmother. So I thought it was odd that this little three year old was left alone playing with two friends in the yard and the grandmother was inside, nobody's watching. I found that odd. Now maybe it's just me, maybe I'm a little overprotective, but I I just couldn't understand why anybody would leave a three year old unsupervised outside. But she it did. is different. definitely different. Uh, yes, and so anyways, he was only out for a short period of time, I guess 45 minutes or so, but then he didn't come back in. And he wasn't dressed for cold weather. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. He, she's in a panic. Mm-hmm. They have this massive search. You know, they can't find him. They had to pull the searchers back because the weather was so bad. It was cold and rainy, and it was horrible. I mean, it was all this, this deep freeze we're all, we've all we all been in. So well, a couple of days later, they find him. Found him. Yeah. They found him in
2: a, in a briar bush type thing, and there were stickers and whatever. How the child stayed there and without any covering for himself, it doesn't
1: make sense.
2: Something's not right there.
1: No, they they said the kid was in great condition, and yeah. he was wet, but he was fine and he was talking and he was you know. And then what did he say to his aunt? That the that's the thing that clinched it for me, because. His aunt reported that he told her that a bear took care of him for two days. A bear. Now, we all know bears do not do that. (laughs) And I would have been. It could have been. It could have been. been. And, again, he was taken. He He was definitely taken. Now, we've heard stories about Dogman taking little children. Remember that one from the 1800s? that was reported in the Missing 411 uh, book, one of the books by David Paulides. But this is a perfect David Paulides case because Mm -hmm. there is no to why he would be in such great shape when they had to pull back the adult searchers because of bad weather. And yet he was supposedly out in this bad weather for two days. I mean, it's it's three years old and no food and no water. I mean, it's just, it's a typical 411 Mm -hmm. story. So another mystery. And then we posted on Supernatural Girls' website. Actually, we posted it on our Facebook page. The Mysterious Vanishing and Death of Stephen McCarran. Now, this took place in Scotland. But again, go read the story, everybody, on our Facebook page mm-hmm. because this is, again, another typical Child Goes Missing story found you know, in places that they had searched before. Um, but they found his socks balled up in his pocket. And his shoes on. And, I mean, this is typical of these 411 stories. It was just another bizarre case. And, unfortunately, this little boy was found dead. But um, this is a lot to pay attention to because these kids that are going missing and adults, too, some of them vanish without a trace, like uh, the one we're looking for, Stacy Harris. And there, right. are, so far, has been no explanation as to what's happened. But we do think that they're they're going through portals. Some of them and others are being taken by who knows what. But it's a fascinating thing to continue to watch. And keep your kids safe, everybody. Watch those kids. <laughs> oh, God. Sure. Boy, sure. Yeah. But we have a terrific guest tonight. I'm so excited. I know you are, too, because we both love the book. And our oh, guest yes. tonight, yes. she has written yet another book. She's the author of 30 books, probably more. And this one is called Crossroads of Conjure. Now, I love Crossroads, everything about cross, Crossroads. And I know you do, too. And But we're going to talk mm-hmm. with our guest tonight about granny magic, which I've never heard of.
2: Have you ever heard of granny magic? No, but I, I'm all primed for it because I'm a granny.
1: You're ready for it. Okay, we're going to talk about hoodoo. We're going to talk about every every folk magic that there is with Katrina Raspold. And she is a Ph.D., a professional brouhaha and conjure woman. And she is going to share all of the stories, all of the history with us tonight. So when you find yourself at the crossroads, you will know what to do. Now, Katrina also... Teaches classes internationally, and you can find her and on her website. You can find all the beautiful products she and her husband make. It is two sistersbotanica dot com, and two is T W O sistersbotanica dot com. Beautiful website, and Katrina, welcome to the show.
3: Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here.
1: Well, now tell us a little bit about you your upbringing, and how you made this journey into granny magic, hoodoo, all of these wonderful things. What happened?
3: Wow. Uh, Well, I'm almost 60, so that's a really long story. (laughs) (laughs) I, I was raised in Kentucky, and I didn't have a feeling of being around magic when I was raised. We would never call it magic. It was never seen as anything paranormal. It was just how we lived. Looking back from an informed perspective, I can see that we did magic almost every day, but it wasn't thought of as such. And that's really typical of the Scotch-Irish granny magic traditions is that it's not seen as anything unusual. It's just what you do. And uh, I married at an early age and traveled the world and studied uh, paranormal and uh, uh, magical paths all over the world, had Air Force husbands. And uh, settled in California. My uh, I got a calling to brujeria, which was uh, uncomfortable at first because I don't have a Hispanic background. And so, of course, it's always very touchy. And I ignored it for a long time. Just said, no, I'm not going to do that. It would be disrespectful of the culture. And finally, I had two brujos and a Bruja come to me separately and say, no, you've got to apprentice under us. You're meant to do this healing. And it doesn't matter when you die what race you are. What matters is that you do the work
0: and so that's how i
3: became a yeah i became a brew many years ago that was after many years of uh working uh as a wiccan high priestess and my husband and i developed our own spiritual path called cusp climbing up the spiral pathway and that involves using the the eight uh agricultural holidays that constitute the sabbaths to create positive change in your life every year so it's been a wonderful a wonderful road getting here
1: Oh, how nice! And you also have
3: six six children. My God, I do. The youngest is youngest is nineteen, and the oldest is forty one. Ah, oh,
2: wow! It takes magic.
3: It takes magic. <laughs> oh, those kids never knew a day they weren't spell worked.
2: Believe me. <laughs>
1: Uh, why every mother could learn something from you, I'm sure. Gosh, that's great. So one of the most fascinating things about magic for me and for PK, I know we were talking about this before, is hoodoo. Tell us about hoodoo and what it is, where it comes from, because you also practice hoodoo.
3: I do. Uh, Also called root work, Um, hoodoo is born of the uh, African traditional religions, that came over on the slave ships. And throughout that trauma and the adjustment, the generational adjustment that occurred on the plantations, they took what was integral to those African traditional religions and made it something that applied to their current circumstances. And then they syncretized with black belt hoodoo onto the Protestant religion and throughout Louisiana onto the Catholic religion and uh, created a whole new system that has gone through many different phases and now uh, presents as a a folk magic system that's that's very effective and uh, a lot of people are are pushing a lot of interest in right now.
1: And how is that different in terms of spell work from, say, Wiccan spell work? There's a big difference, right?
3: Oh, there really is. And it's a huge transition. You know, when I was raised Baptist, and so converting, I won't say converting, but transitioning from Baptist to being Wiccan or being pagan was a huge step. And Mm -hmm. so the first time that you say, "I'm, I'm not Christian anymore, is a really scary transitional time. And likewise, the first time you say, I'm not Wiccan, really ostracizes you a bit in the pagan community because Wicca is very accepted. And and these traditions are not as um, ethically accepted, if you want to say that, because they have a different framework as far as the ethics that are involved. There is no harm's none. There is no um, um, real um, Wiccan read or anything like that that applies the threefold law. None of that is really involved. What's involved with both hoodoo and Brujeria is, is this act justified or is it not justified? And, of course, that's something that's going to shift from person to person as to how they see it and whether or not it's justified. So one thing that's different is there's a huge personal accountability with hoodoo and with any of these paths. Another thing because that's very different. I'm sorry, go ahead.
1: No, I was just going to say, you make a you have a wonderful quote in here, he who cannot blast cannot bless. Oh, <laughs> Woody and Turner win, wasn't it? Mhm. Yes. Now, and it goes to what you're talking about with it's a little different because if somebody does something bad to a person, it sounds like what you're you're talking about in the book with hoodoo and some of these other magical paths is you decide whether to go after them or not. You can. You do. With these. Yes. Yeah.
3: It's very, um, like I said, it's very subjective. But also it's a matter, you've got to figure that all of these paths came from people who who were disadvantaged in a, in a very huge way. And so they had to protect themselves because no one else was going to. And the way that it was presented to me when I was struggling with these concepts coming out of being a fresh little wide-eyed Wiccan high priestess was really if someone were in your house harming your kids or harming your partner and you can do something to stop it would you not do something? And Absolutely. my answer was, well, of course I would. And they said, well, it's the same thing magically. If someone is causing harm to another person or causing harm to you or affecting your quality of life in a profound way and
1: you can affect that magically, why would you not?
4: Mm-hmm.
1: Have you seen that happen? Have you seen people do that effectively so they could stop somebody from being abusive or whatever they're doing to harm someone else?
3: All the time, at least once a week. Wow, I didn't expect that answer, really. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I do magic for other people, and it's on my website. I uh, spy remote, work magic on their behalf. There's a lot of reasons why people might not want to do magic for themselves. They don't want it to be seen, or they don't trust themselves to to do it effectively. And so I do magic for other people, and one of the most common things is banishing or, or removing someone from their life that's harmful.
1: Can you give us an example? I mean, obviously, you don't reveal a name, but an example of something that you did to help another person with that? Common one is neighbors.
3: Uh, neighbor oh. dispute, problems with neighbors, neighbors that are harassing. And uh, I've had several people that have asked me to do, for instance, some hot foot work, or I have what's called a GTFO working that I do. And... Um, it it just pushes the person away, preferably giving them a positive reason to leave. And so there's been several instances of that where you don't really know what happened, you just know the person left. And there's been times that uh, bosses have been reassigned to different toxic bosses bosses were reassigned to different locations and one thing that's specific about the work that I do and with brujería and with root workers who do hoodoo is that you advocate for the client who's right in front of you you don't ever presume that they're giving you misinformation you don't ever presume that they are wrong in what they're doing you, you're, you're their advocate and so mm-hmm. I don't really spend a lot of time investing in fallout I say okay this person has a problem we're going to work on it and solve it
1: and then, what do you, you must use certain kinds of what, herbs, spells that are in in line with what you're trying to achieve. Is it a long ceremony? I mean, give us some more info on that. Give us details. It is
3: so on the fly. You know, that is another thing that's very different from Wicca, is that with Wicca, you become accustomed to things like casting a circle, calling the quarters, uh, bringing in archangels, all sorts of uh ceremonial aspects, walking a certain way in the circle. There's none of that here. Uh, There's sometimes when you're working at at a crossroads that you want to walk a certain way or say a certain thing, but much of it is very intuitive and very experiential. And we burn a lot of candles. We make power grids. We use amulets. We use representations of what's happening, such as poppets for people. We use... um, little charm bags like mojo bags and things like that. There's just a huge host of things that we use washes and dirts and one thing that's very specific about folk magic is it is very visual. It's all about the effect that seeing the action has on you. For instance, sweeping something for good luck into your home.
2: Oh, oh that's, that's nice.
3: <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah.
3: Right. It's that's about a- what you see as you're doing it, what you smell. It's it's very sensory
2: you know you mentioned the gtfo before explain what gtfo means because not everyone's going to understand that oh it's
3: an internet acronym and it means get the f out <laughs>
1: oh, okay Just checking yeah.
4: because I'm i, sure I
3: probably should have used GTFO a different word example that words work. Work. Yeah. no that's yeah. fine Those yeah my favorite word yeah. it's okay oh that was all me yeah i probably should have not done that
1: no that's no, fine that's okay yeah, it's if we work, learn something it's new. It's a very visceral <laughs> right. <group> <laughs> spell. And, you know, it's interesting because you, you were talking about, you know, how visual everything is with hoodoo and it's more on the fly. Somebody asked me a couple of weeks ago if I was uh, Wiccan, and I said, no, I'm not. It's too much work. <laughs>
3: I love it. I have, love the pageantry. Cool. I still love to be in a Wiccan circle and to see all of that ceremony. I love to be in a church service or in a Catholic mass and see all of the ceremonies. It's very beautiful to me. But this is what I do on a day-to-day basis. Is just very, what do you have in your cupboard? What are you putting together? What is spirit leading you to do? And it's very very much a, a hotline to to deity or whatever you consider to be divine, telling you exactly how to manage that particular situation.
1: And it is like what what you just described. It's what you have on hand, and that's what they yeah. used in the old days, too, which I think is great. And you talk about dirt magic. What is that?
3: Oh, dirt magic. There are different types of dirts that are considered to be sacred, And for instance, crossroads dirt. Uh, get when I make my crossroads dirt, I'm pulling it from a crossroads that was actually used by the Pony Express in the mountains up here where I live. And you pull dirt from each of the four corners of the crossroad in the middle of the crossroad. You mix it all together. And you use that when you're not at a crossroads to simulate a crossroad. Uh, Graveyard dirt is another one that's very... um, frequently used and it's used to recreate the experience of the grave so it's very protective it's uh, soothing if you're having trouble sleeping if you put graveyard dirt around your bed it'll help you relax and sleep
1: uh, really law
3: grave- yeah law enforcement graveyard dirt's very protective if you know the history of the person in the grave it takes on their energy as well it's it's quite a powerful tool
1: oh my gosh yes wow Oh, this is fascinating.
2: (laughs) Do you just get a little sprinkling of? Do you get a a cup of? You can.
3: Well, unless you're me, and then what you do is on (laughs) Samhain on October 31st at midnight, you go into this uh, 19th century graveyard that's down the road from me with a flashlight and a couple of Walmart bags and a trowel. (laughs) And you ask for permission to enter because all these people who are in this graveyard are your friends, and you you don't want to be rude, and they don't like you there after dark, so they let you in on this one night. And then you ask who wants to play, and you watch for orbs to come up over the graves that are wanting to participate. And you go and you take the graveyard dirt, and you leave silver dimes to pay, and um you just take from the ones that are willing to to be involved, and then you have your year's worth of graveyard dirt.
1: Wow, Amazing. I love it! I love it. This is great. October thirty first. You said
3: October thirty first at midnight, and I live in a tiny, tiny town in the El Dorado National Forest. And so because we have such a small town, if anybody sees bobbing lights in the graveyard on Halloween at midnight, they're like, oh, that's just Katrina.
1: <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> oh, that's great. And then they lower the
3: voice and they
0: say, she's a witch, you know. <laughs> oh, that's, that's funny. How funny. Yeah,
1: it's wonderful. Yeah. Well, Now, a lot of these uh, these magics also have a healing aspect to them and the hoodoo granny magic are any of them standouts when it comes to healing or they just all have an aspect of healing
3: in each of the three systems any type of magic that you do is considered healing now oh, if you have okay. a wayward spouse that you're working on, you're you're healing that situation. If you have a financial despair, you're healing that situation. So all of it is considered healing. It's one thing that's universal amongst all three of the paths.
1: Wow. And it's all about
3: healing. You know?
1: Yeah, that's no, great. It's the people that
2: utilize what you have to offer to them and to show them how to do. How often have they come back and said it had not worked for them? And if so, what was it that they did not do to make it materialize? I
3: don't have a lot of people that come back and say it didn't work. I have people that come back and say it didn't work yet because they don't understand the nature of magic. And magic is like pushing a car. If you're pushing a car on a flat surface, you can get a little momentum and get it going. If you're pushing it uphill, which is what happens if you're working in such a way that it, uh, for something that's not meant to happen or something that's against the free will of another person, it's like pushing the car uphill. You know, you push and you push and you push, and as soon as you take your hand off, the car is going to start to roll backwards. And uh, if you're pushing downhill, for instance, doing magic for something that's meant to be, the car is just going to run. But I have a lot of people who want things done that are not in their best interest or things that affect what another person wants. It's different than what another person wants. And that takes a lot of energy to influence. And so they expect that you're going to burn one candle and it's going to be done and that's not the way it goes. Um, So I do a lot of counseling with these people to make sure that are you sure this is what you want? Because it's it's not an easy task to influence the will of another person. And they don't understand right. that's not going to happen with one little $10 candle, you know?
1: That's for sure. That's, yeah. Yeah. Uh, true.
2: Well, that's one of the questions I was wondering. If a person is willing, we'll say for one person, for this person to fall in love with them, they really want them to care person has other person has a total uh, no way in this side of the earth is it going to happen how can you make those two combine where they each walk away satisfied
3: it's a real challenge and that's why I work so much And it's very insidious what I do because there's a lot of therapy and a lot of talking that goes into the counseling of the person that I'm going to be helping. And if I see they're just really determined to do this, we'll move forward with it. But they're going to get more and more frustrated because it's going to be really difficult to generate enough energy through Mm -hmm. candle work or through magic to bring – to them somebody who really doesn't want to be with them and often this is somebody that is saying i was married i cheated on my husband he left me and now i love him and i really want him back and Ew. of course it's got yeah this guy is saying oh no <laughs> no no we're not doing that again so what i can do is yeah so what you would do in that case is if there's any love in that that x it's always an x they're trying to bring back um then you can fan the flames of that. You can try to encourage the love that's there, but building it from the ground up, I have to tell them from the beginning, is is going to be almost impossible.
4: Mm -hmm. Sure. That that doesn't mean I won't
3: do it, but I try to set them up for the idea of it might be better to do a a generalized spell to bring love to you so you have someone come to you that you don't have to convince to love you.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. That would be a better way to go, yeah. Don't (laughs) achieve here. That is absolutely much easier. And now, when you work with people, Katrina, you have such a beautiful website. And can people go there and book private appointments with you via Skype or phone or something like that if they're not located near you in California? You know, I
3: I don't do phone or uh, Skype interviews because actually I have a hearing disorder that makes it difficult for me to talk by phone.
1: Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And
3: so I do a lot of email work. And, and talk to people oh. by email. There's a store in Citrus Heights, California, called Lightweavers Academy, and I have time on Sunday there that I, I meet with people and do, do these Olympias, which are the cleansings and the energy adjustments that we do. So I'm, I'm very available. I'm very uh, um, on on. Uh, I'm very right there. I'm very accessible. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, I have a YouTube channel, and on my videos, a lot of people will comment, and I'm constantly talking to people there. I'm very accessible.
1: That's great. Well, that's it's nice that you can communicate in the via email and still be able to counsel mm-hmm. them and work with them on whatever their goal is. So, talk to us about Granny Magic. How is that different from Hoodoo and Pujeria?
3: One way that it's different is it's almost gone. Oh uh, no it is granny magic uh we have one we have several let's say five or six different people who are working aggressively to keep granny magic alive one of them is the wonderful uh writer byron uh, my brain is stopping Brian byron ballard uh who it's byron but it's actually female and she's a lovely writer she has a beautiful blog and uh she is uh, an actual uh granny witch and uh, does beautiful work But what happened is that we had isolated pockets in Appalachia where the Scotch-Irish had settled, and they were very remote. They didn't have a lot to do with the outside world because of the difficulty in travel. And so they developed all of these Scotch-Irish magical techniques within those pockets. And it's said that the Scotch-Irish traditions were actually preserved better there than they were in Scotland and Ireland because they were so isolated. So we had this Mm. beautiful tradition of granny doctors and Goomer doctors and uh, power doctors developing in Appalachia. But once technology became more aggressive and reached into those pockets and travel became uh, possible, we had a lot of the newer generations leaving, and we had more influx to, you know in and out of those pocket areas. So we have almost none that are isolated anymore. And when that happened, they began to not need the granny magic quite as much. And so it's starting to really fade away.
1: Oh, that's that sad.
3: Beautiful tradition. And I tell people that the most easily recognized... <laughs> face of granny magic would absolutely be granny clampett on the hillbillies
1: oh i loved her (laughs) she
3: i mean she she's it was almost always the granny women were older women we had ones that were apprenticing and training but by the time you were mastering you were you were crone and uh you healed the village you delivered hundreds and hundreds of babies by that time you um Major spring tonics that you gave to people. You read the omens, and that's what Granny Clampett did.
1: Oh gosh! Wow, that that is now. Are people can people still study that? Like at your uh, at your school, or I mean, is that something that they can still apprentice with someone for?
2: You know, you would have to
3: actually for that. You would probably have to be in Appalachia to. Wow. to find a, a, a mentor who could apprentice you. Uh, but like I said, more and more, because these, these traditions were largely oral. The people were not usually literate. They didn't usually write things down, so the traditions were passed mm-hmm. generationally. And so a lot of that's been lost. There have been some people that have worked aggressively to research that. And it has a huge tie-in with hoodoo, because a lot of the – if a slave escaped, it was safer to go into the mountains because there wasn't a great deal of slavery there. People couldn't afford slaves. And there wasn't a lot of uh, plantation work that went on there. So they intermingled with the Native Americans in that area and also with the people of Appalachia. And so they did have a hoodoo influence there. So really a lot of the the granny magic kind of went into hoodoo practice, and it's just faded away a tremendous amount. When I was writing the book, Llewellyn Publishers had asked me to kind of unpack that section a little bit more, and it was just almost impossible to find information on it.
1: Oh, gosh. Well, that's kind of heartbreaking.
3: Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: And so there aren't a lot of
3: mentors of that anymore because there's not a lot of information out there.
1: Wow too bad. Well, thank goodness that you at least were able to gather something together and bring it to our audience's attention and our attention because it is so fascinating how people adopted certain magical practices based on where they came from and where they lived and and all of that. It's it's so this is fascinating. I'm so so glad you're here, Katrina. Thank you. This is this is a great book. Everybody, make sure you get a copy. It is called Crossroads of Conjure: The Roots and Practices of Granny Magic, Hoodoo, Buharia, and Corden Dierissimo. I hope I'm saying that right. And we're it's going to take beautiful. a very oh, thank you. We're going to take a very short commercial break. Everybody, stay tuned, and we'll be right back. You are listening to Supernatural Girls Radio.
0: Are you ready for a new experience of freedom and powerful connection? Would you like a positive, effortless change in your life? Then come to CosmicFusion.com, where we offer the most advanced energy clearing and expansion techniques in the world with a quantum vortex energy to activate your divine blueprint and life's purpose. When your soul leads the way with cosmic fusion and quantum vortex energy, you can break clear of past difficulties and blocks with the power of the Source. With Cosmic Fusion, the source energy does the work for you. It's easy and effortless. Listen to our free meditation right from our Cosmic Fusion website, the Cosmic Code Meditation. Sign up for one of our interactive webinars today. Come to Cosmic Fusion, www.kosmicfusion.com to experience an effortless awakening and transformation. Are you ready for an upgrade? Are you ready for a new experience of living in the fifth dimensional magic and powerful connection? Then visit CosmicFusion.com today. CosmicFusion.com
5: Astridian is a family of cosmetic products with 98% pure ionized minerals. We combine our science with a blend of essential oils to nourish and take care of your skin's health. How does it work? All Australian products contain the proprietary redox technology, having the capability of simulating an ionic zinc-copper superoxide dismutase effect. This free radical scavenger currently in your body has been diminished by toxins and the daily stresses of life. It is a perfectly balanced mineral complex that all $200-an-hour dermatologists, their professors, and ancient history have proven. Redox technology is a process of reducing the skin's oxidation by transferring electrons from a radical state to a stress-free normal condition. Oxidative stress is a form of cellular aging, and as science has proven, a precursor to disease. The free radical theory of aging states that organisms age because cells accumulate free radical damage over time. Damaged cells are not beautiful, but healthy cells are. The Astridian family is presented in four different uses that cover unique benefits to your body. They are the Essential Anti Aging Series, the Multivitamin Series, Sports Series, and Professional Series. Regain your youth with the power of Astridian. Visit www.astridian.com and inquire. Use the code SUPERNATURAL and receive a 10% discount on your first purchase. Astridian, the beauty of being healthy.
4: Your property tax bill. Have you seen it lately? It's frightening. Your property taxes are going up while your home value is going down. It's time to fight back and win. For the real truth about the property tax system, get Attorney Pat Quintilian's book, Are You Getting Screwed on Your Property Taxes? How to Find Out and How to Fix It. Attorney Quintilian answers all your questions and gives you the facts you need to fight a property tax bill that is spiraling out of control. You'll also read about what happens to property owners who don't check their property records, only to find out too late they're taxed on square footage, fixtures, and even buildings that they don't own. Is this happening to you? Learn your rights. Buy Attorney Pat Quintilian's book today. Are you getting screwed on your property taxes? How to find out and how to fix it. Available on Amazon.com. Welcome
1: back, everyone, to Supernatural Girls Radio. I'm your host, Patricia Baker, here with my co-host, Patricia Kirkman, PK, and our great guest tonight, Katrina Raspold, who is the author of a new book, Crossroads of Conjure, The Roots and Practices of Granny Magic, Hoodoo, Vujeria, and Kurinderissimo. So... Anyways, here we are just having a great conversation. I know our audience is thrilled. I keep getting thumbs up from people (laughs) texting me about the show tonight. So everybody's engaged and happy to be hearing about this folk magic and more. So Katrina, tell us now, the thing that we haven't covered yet is the brujeria. Tell us about that.
3: That is my actual place of practice right now of all of the three this is the one that i use the most it's magic of mexico it's brujerias is, is simply a spanish word for witchcraft but it is also a specific type of magic and uh, i got a calling several years ago and and began apprenticeship through three different practitioners and now i teach classes on it and uh, practice it on a regular basis and it's just a very poignant and personal effective magic that i enjoy very much and the influence of the mexican people and their the fact that this is an uninterrupted course of magic over many 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 years is is very evident in its work
1: amazing now when i've heard of brujas and Brujos, Mm -hmm. they are very powerful powerful magicians Mm -hmm. And I've heard stories. um, Tell me if this is possible. I believe it is. And you may know firsthand. But I heard a story from a friend of mine who's a psychiatrist who is at a party in Mexico with his wife. And there is a hole there. And he stopped time. I mean, he actually stopped time. And my friend, the psychiatrist and his wife were watching as time stopped around them and everybody was frozen in place. And then he brought his hands together. And before he did that, he moved. So he was directly in front of someone that he hadn't been in front of before and startled the crap out of him when he brought the, the aspect of time back. But I mean, that story has stuck with me for so many years. Now, have you heard of that being able to be done?
3: absolutely these these folks are enormously powerful practitioners, and they devote tremendous energy lots of time to learning this. They have grown up learning about this, often chosen as a child to learn to do this um and and they i I completely believe- just like I believe the whirling dervishes you know I believe anything I hear magically actually. Um, there are more things in heaven and earth than we ever dreamt of in our philosophies. <laughs> so I, I completely fair. believe it. The, the the people I studied under, I, I couldn't have been more blessed to spend time in the same room with these people, much less apprentice under them. And so I could absolutely see that happening, yes.
1: You could. Oh, my gosh. I, I loved the story, and I my friend would not make it up. I know he was telling me the truth. But certainly, these are very pro- powerful magicians to be able to stop time and do what they... I know there's many other things they do. Tell, tell us what you do and what other brujas and brujos are able to do that we may not have heard of before.
3: As you mentioned, there's a huge emphasis on healing. And what you're describing is almost, what with your, the story, is almost a showy display of power, and they yes. don't really do that very much. It's not a, a, I hate to say dog and pony show, but you know, it's not really something that is often expressed in that fashion. They take all that power and energy and put it toward the healing of the person sitting right in front of them. And we do a great deal of soul retrieval work because we have people that have been. Traumatized so often and to such a degree that they aren't even in their bodies anymore. So we do a lot of work with bringing them back and getting them the feeling that they are safe to be here again. We do a lot of energy cleansing. We do power grids to create change in people's lives with tokens and, and stones arranged into particular uh, designs. Mostly we empower the people who are in front of us to say, here, take these stones in this order or take this bag of these items, keep it with you, put this egg under your bed for three nights, letting them believe that they can have a participation with what we're doing. But everything we do really is based in healing. It's, there's not a lot of showy stuff like that. It can happen, but that's not the mm-hmm. usual presentation
1: of Brujeria. What's the difference between... Yeah, I the, think uh, that that might have happened uh, to really PK. No, go ahead, honey. Go ahead. I'll catch up. No, no, no. That's You go. I'll go next. Oh. Okay. <laughs> we can't no, see I, each I, other, everybody. I know. It. We're always really talking over each other. The, uh,
2: the difference between the conjure products, the, the usual pagan type of products that a person would buy in a metaphysics store, do, how are they have the value that the, uh, the products that you put together that are available through your uh, website. What's the difference between what some of these products are that are out there? Some of them give you a question mark when you look at them and yet uh, look at your page and you've got so many things to offer in different ways. Uh, how can a person tell uh, what you have to offer and say, shall we say, a Johnny-come-lady may offer somewhere else? How do they know
3: where to go? I think it's really about what you feel when you're looking at or uh, if you're in a store touching the product. Does it feel alive? Does it feel as though it's conveying some type of energy? And one of the tragedies of Hoodoo specifically is that when we had the emancipation, a number of the slaves – rightfully so, went very far north because that's where jobs were and they could work there and the the black laws that were in place in the south were so untenable, they were horrible conditions even after slavery and so they went up north and the people of that area who were very business minded and opportunist noticed that they did not, that these these relocated former slaves did not have what they were accustomed to in their magical and, and spiritual practice. And so that mm-hmm. began an era of what's called marketeered hoodoo. And
0: that's uh, okay. where
3: that's where it began to be factory made, instead of made by the swampers, instead of made by the conjure doctors um, and the root workers. And it felt different. It would still mm-hmm. work because the person using it had intention and put energy behind it. But it didn't have the kick that comes from having somebody who is a qualified practitioner make your product and hand it to you and say, here, this is what you need. And that's really the difference. The marketed magical products, some of them are beautiful. And some of them, uh, you know, a a manufactured poppet, for instance, the little dolls, will be much, much prettier than one somebody sews by hand but you have to go by what you feel, and you will feel an energy coming off of the
2: product if it's made in the correct way. That makes good sense. Something made with love and care is going to carry so much more power than something that's a cookie-cutter stamp.
3: It is, and so much of it is just factory-made now, and that's just a shame Mm -hmm. that, you know, you order an oil and you're just getting something that has coloring in it and doesn't have any herbal matter it's not really addressing the energy of what's happening it's just smells right Mm
1: -hmm. yeah that's a big difference very big difference yeah what i was going to say is that i think this brujo may have wanted to show this person a little more about what's possible because he was a psychiatrist. I mean, here he was, uh, and I think he needed to have his mind opened a little more. So I think that display probably had some healing behind it. And I think it probably I'm did. Yes. yes. And another based thing on what you're that, saying.
3: Another thing that people often don't know, especially um, those those of us who aren't very accustomed to the Hispanic community is that the brujos and the brujas are maligned they they're not in favor with the community they are the last resort they are seen as very powerful and therefore feared and so you really kind of go to them in the dark of night to solve your problem when you've tried everything there's another branch called and you've mentioned it a couple times the corundismo is the actual Healing practice, and the way that I describe the two is that curandismo is seeing a problem that's manifesting physically and suspecting there is a spiritual component. Brujeria is seeing a problem that's manufactured spiritually, and you think it might have a physical component. So, huh. brujeria approaches strongly from the spirit and from the magical aspects. Curandera, curanderas and curanderos heal the physical body they are okay. revered the curanderos and the curanderos are very revered in the community whereas the brujos are
1: shunned how interesting so so when somebody isn't feeling well physically they would feel like that would be the first place they would turn to the curandero consider- yes. uh, right interesting if they want to
3: um say stop a spouse from cheating or they want to um Get even with this person or that person. Then they go see the brujo.
1: I see, yeah. Because I've heard that they pr- the brujos and the brujas can be quite feared. So, uh, and you said uh, they're actually shunned in some ways. So do they have their own little group, or, or what happens? And they do they just live alone and they don't have friends. I mean, what's it like for them in life?
3: You know, in some ways, it's like it was in Appalachia. In Appalachia. They feared witches in a profound way. They feared witches beyond what some of us as children feared witches because of the fairy tales. They were really terrified of witches. They blamed witches if the cows didn't milk. They blamed witches if a child died of of scarlet fever it was always a witch who did the bad things however please say but not our witch our witch is really wonderful she heals she helps us she's the sweetest woman you would ever meet but all those other witches are bad it's kind of the same way in the mexican community where the the brujo is not always one you would speak to on the street but one-on-one you can be very friendly with them um so it's it's just it's it's more of a social thing than a a uh, personal thing
1: mm-hmm. and
3: so they do have people that they're friendly with they have of course the it's it's interesting that you help somebody cr- solve a major problem magically and then they won't talk to you the next day when when you see them out with other people <laughs> so that's yeah
1: really cool. but it they, is they, they have
3: their own little groups that they run with
1: that's good so they're not totally Oh, you don't have to worry about their it. <laughs> gifts. Yeah, well, I don't really, but <laughs> yeah. I can, I'm just curious, you know. It's like how do you handle this as a person who has this gift of magic and this gift of understanding and is able to help people this way? It's, I would I would imagine it's it's quite interesting. But all of this you know, is
3: fascinating. What happens really is that you tr- – and this is a big hallmark, especially in brucaria – no matter what, you trust the process. You know that the person is going to be led to you if they're meant to come to you. If they don't come to you, you're very comfortable in your own company.
5: Yeah,
1: well, that makes sense. Now, with the small and the healing that they do, is it similar in terms of using specific products or uh, herbs, roots, dirt? I mean, what do they use?
3: Within curandismo, there are different types of Curanderas or curanderos. Some of them specifically heal with herbs. Some of them are bone specialists. Some of them are blood specialists. Uh, some of them are skin specialists. And it's almost like the trade tours in, in New Orleans and in the Louisiana area where they have very specific things that they, there's also the curandera total, which addresses everything. That's somebody who just knows how to do it all. And they each have their own methodologies of what, you know, what modality they're going to use. And it's it's varied, but it's very similar to just basic
1: folk healing. They can address any physical ailment that you bring to them. So it doesn't matter what it is. You can go to them and say, you know, I have arthritis or whatever. And they will address that with whatever tools they think will work.
3: Absolutely. In fact, for many, many years, even into the 1900s, um, in the southern United States, often it was easier to get to a curandera than it was to get to a hospital or to get to any type of medical facility. And so they were frequently used. And many of the... uh, People in the medical field, in specifically in southern United States, such as Texas and Arizona, and across you know that the areas where you have a huge Mexican population, absolutely will condone the use of a curandera. That that they know exactly what they're doing.
1: I'd rather go to a curandera than go to the hospital. I think hospitals are very dangerous. <laughs> they are <laughs> <Right? they> really. <laughs> You can catch a lot of things there, you know what I mean? So I think you're better off with a uh, curandera, absolutely. You talk about, you mentioned limpias before. Now tell us what those are. How does that work?
3: Limpias are my heart. I love limpias. Um, Every Sunday I have time set aside at the shop, the Lightweaver Shop in Citrus Heights, where I, I just do limpias. And limpias are an extensive cleansing process. And if you can imagine anyone who's ever been to a Wiccan circle or even a druidic circle, if you're going into the circle and they use white sage to smudge you to cleanse you off before you go into the circle, it's like that if you were to amp it up by about a hundred times.
0: Oh, we nice. use a
3: lot of we use a lot of white sage we use uh, a wood called Palo Santo. we use sacred sprays. We use stones to really cleanse the person. And another thing that is very effective is we use an egg, just a regular raw egg. And we have the client blow on the egg, which conveys their life force into the egg. Because the egg is considered to be a living cell, when we rub this all over the client, Any impurity or any attachment or any uh, possession or anything like that that has gotten into the client doesn't know the difference between the client and the egg and goes into the egg. And so we can remove it. I've had eggs break and have blood in them, be completely (gasps) black, um, have all sorts of entity-looking rises coming up out of the yolk. We use easily a dozen eggs every Sunday. Just cleansing people out. Now, in Hoodoo, we do a practice which is rolling the egg, which is very different. It's just a general roll roll down the body to cleanse. With Brujeria, we scrub them with the egg. We we coat the egg in holy water or maybe some Florida water and just scrub all over their body with this egg. Then we lay them down and we do an energy movement where we get two practitioners, one at each end, to just push energy through the person and just snowplow out anything that's blocking their energies.
1: Gosh, I mm-hmm. wish we lived closer to you. I would love to <laughs> well, you on do Well, I do them Sunday.
3: by remote as well. <laughs> you do? Oh, my you goodness. You can absolutely do them by remote, yeah.
1: That is so it's wonderful. It's an, an amazing
3: experience, an incredible experience.
2: I there was is a mention of having an egg under the bed. What What is the purpose of that?
3: I'm sorry, can you say that again?
2: There was an issue of having an egg under the bed. What would be the purpose oh. of that?
3: After we do the limpia, typically what we will do is break the egg into a little mason jar and close it up, and then we read the egg to see what it looks like. Sometimes by intuitive leadership, we are told to give the egg in the jar to the client. They then take it home and put it under the the side of the bed where they sleep to draw more impurities out over the next three nights. And then they break the egg and get rid of it.
1: What's well, the best way to get rid of it? Ha, 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 ha. Uh, <laughs> traditionally, <laughs> what,
3: traditionally, you would release the egg into a moving body of water that is moving away from the client. What we do is we flush it down the toilet because that is a moving body of water moving away from us.
1: Mhm. That's, so that's easy. So that's how
3: I rec- Yeah, that's how I recommend that most people um, release their eggs.
1: It's just to flush it. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Uh, I, have you taken pictures, Katrina, of oh, any yeah. of these eggs that turned black and? look like little entities and things like that. I'd love to see them. If you could send them, I'll, I'll post them. I mean, it just oh, sounds absolutely. like such yeah. an incredible transformation and, and actually a big healing for these people to get rid of these these things that have lodged in their energy system somehow.
3: It really is. And what I always tell people is when they're looking at the egg, this is not what's wrong with you. This is what was wrong with you 10 minutes ago before we pulled it out with an egg. Mm -hmm. And it's very relieving to them to see that something has actually happened, that that something has been removed, that it wasn't all in their head, so to speak. And uh, it it seems very healing for them to see the egg and and see what, what came out of them. So we always show them the egg put it under light, talk to them a great deal about it. I do have pictures because I teach classes on Brujeria and I like for my students to be able to see some of the different possibilities of what can come up, but we've had some really ugly, ugly eggs come across.
1: Wow. Oh my gosh, I'd love to see pictures. That is so cool. Now, you mentioned Louisiana and obviously New Orleans. Uh, What about voodoo? How does voodoo fit into all of this?
3: It's over time through hollywood representations and tv we tend to associate hoodoo and voodoo as the same thing and even though they're both coming from african traditional religions they are different practices as they present right now voodoo is a religion and it's a very dedicated religion it um it has a lot of... The the people who are voodoo priests and priestesses and who are involved with voodoo will sometimes spend days in ritual. So it's a very hardcore religion that... Um, is and I use this word a lot, it's very visceral for them. It's quite an experience, very different than going into just a Wiccan ritual for half hour, 45 minutes, done, you come out and have a feast. And they really have intense rituals, and it's very spiritual. Hoodoo, on the other hand, as it presents right now, is a folk magic practice without a religious significance attached to it. So it's it's a very different thing. Voodoo primarily came up out of Haiti, and uh, moved into Louisiana specifically after the Haitian Revolution. And so it was informed mostly by the Catholic religion. And that's why you see more of it through Louisiana than you do
1: through the other southern states. Now, Marie Laveau, that's a name we hear a lot associated uh, with voodoo. Do you know much about her? She sounds like a fascinating character in history with voodoo.
3: She was absolutely fascinating. She um, she was, a, of course, a woman of color, and she was a free woman, and she was very wealthy. She married uh, a, a very wealthy man, and she was one of the, the first voodoo priestesses in um, Louisiana, and that's one of the differences there is that you don't have priests and priestesses and uh, rituals within hoodoo like you do with voodoo and so she was one of the first ones dr john some of the the other practitioners who revolutionized this very showy uh, practice of voodoo and she would work right there in the market square just <laughs> she didn't care she brought it very wow. much into the public hmm
1: yeah, she's. I mean, I know she's revered by many to this day. A lot of people talk about her with great reverence. And I remember Helene, who was a co-host of um, and a host mm-hmm. of ours many years ago, and she was just entranced with Marie Laveau. And so I had to bring that up on as a uh, way to honor our dear Helene. Now, what else can you tell people about hoodoo and how to learn about it? Is again, I know you teach classes. <laughs> And is there, are there specific classes for hoodoo, specific classes then for becoming involved with buheria and curandirismo How, I mean, how can people decide what's best for them and then where do they go to to get taught <laughs> or apprentice?
3: They are very, very different practices at the heart and really with Hoodoo, for instance, most people who have even a glancing interest in it know that there are literally hundreds of books on the market right now about Hoodoo. It's very easy to get information about Hoodoo either on the Internet or through, uh, through books. There are some very beautiful qualified teachers out there for Hoodoo. Brujeria, on the other hand, has almost next to zero books written about it in English and so it's it's difficult to find classes on brujeria. One thing that's different about hoodoo, again, from brujeria, is that hoodoo is a little bit more welcoming of people who are practicing what I call magical tourism, which is where you go investigate different practices, take what works for you, and, and incorporate it into an eclectic framework that you're using. Uh, hoodoo is a little bit more adapted to doing that, whereas brujería is very culturally based. They, You have to have a calling for brujería. With brujería, I always say that the path chooses you. You don't choose the path. Whereas hoodoo is a little bit more, it's, it can even be brought down to an academic thing where you can just learn this is what you do with Florida water, this is what you do with graveyard dirt. Uh, but brujería is more about an intuitive practice of healing So it's a little bit different than how hoodoo works. So it's easier to find hoodoo classes now than it is to find Brujeria classes. But really just looking online, checking your local metaphysical stores to see if anyone's doing this. I'll guarantee you in most areas there's
1: going to be hoodoo workers. Really? Gosh, that's interesting. Now, what about candle magic and doing readings with candles? There's a lot around candles. I know we've talked to shamans who've been on the show that use candles for specific things. And uh, tell us how you work with them. I work
3: for people almost exclusively with candles. It's really just the easiest modality to use to just get the job done. And my YouTube channel, um, it's just youtube.com slash Katrina Rasbold. Almost all of my videos on there are about candles because that's what I get asked about the most. And just the glass prayer candles are what I primarily use and you treat them, you burn them, and afterwards you can read how the smoke left imprints on the glass, whether there's black soot or white soot, how much of the herbal matter do you have left that you put on the top. Everything means something with a candle read. And so the full concept of candle magic would involve treating the candle with oils and herbs and burning the candle and then reading what The candle tells you afterwards but i use candles all the time love candles
2: you said the holy candles
3: i use the prayer candles i (laughs) also can use tapers but i like the long-term push of the prayer candles i make my own custom candles for people because i want to know what is on the outside label and so i make my own pictures and things to go on the label and then if someone If someone needs a specific custom candle, say for one person, I've got one gal right now that just today asked me to work to help her get custody of her child, so I would take a picture of her child, uh, the child's name, and put it on the candle to give her a point of focus.
1: Sounds wonderful. And now give us an example of a client that you use this candle magic for and you read the smoke. Tell us how you read the smoke and what it said. I actually...
3: Um wow, I'm my brain is seizing up with all the ones to choose from. I had okay, so oh. here's a good one. I I, I had a, a just recently a gal that wanted to know why she was blocked whenever she would attempt to pursue her studies and she was working fair she's a very talented druid And she's with ADF, which is a branch of Druidism that is very academic and involves a lot of homework and study. And she was saying that she felt like she was blocked every time she went to this. So I did what was called an all-seeing eye candle, which would help her identify what the problem was. And the candle wouldn't stay lit. It kept going out every single time I lit it. And so I coordinated with her to light the candle, I said, you know, your candle's not burning. We can look at some other options. And I lit the candle, and it was working. And she said, I'm doing my homework right now. And the candle continued to burn just for the time that she was doing her homework. So we were able to determine that it was a matter of anxiety from other situations that was interfering with her work. Once she relaxed and did the work, she didn't have the blockage anymore.
1: Hmm. Oh, so how goodness. the candle
3: actually burns also has a lot to do with with what we direct the, the <clears throat> excuse me, the client. If we have someone who's asking, Does this person love me? And you light the candle, sometimes the flame will break into two different flames and you know, okay, these are what you would call twin flame people.
4: Mm.
1: Now, somebody just sent a message over a text, and they want to know, what do you do for financial blocks when people are having a hard time uh, earning enough money? What what do you do for – can? I mean, I'm sure you must use candle magic for that, too. And what does the smoke tell you? Give us an example of somebody who helped with that. Sure.
3: Um, two different things to think about for money. One is that if we have a full cup, which if we're having financial problems, our cup is not very full, but there's hopefully something in there, then we can't have room for flow. So when we're having financial problems, we always want to give and put out there, even a little bit. And what I have people do is to take change and go around and put it into the uh, the change receptacles of drink machines or uh, telephones, if you can find one of those. I have people put a dollar bill under the seat of a shopping cart, things like hmm. that. Put a, Just even less than $5, put it out there and say that that's your seed money and that it's growing more and will come back to you. With candle magic, of course there are money-drawing candles that you can use. There are candles that you can get that are for creating prosperity and uh, amassing savings. So it really has to do with how you are approaching that financial situation. The main thing is you don't want to come at it from a position of wanting, which is a tough thing to do. When we come into magic with an idea of what we're missing, tends to make that grow. It tends to make that feeling grow, and we want to help that feeling. So usually I just have them focus on not what they don't have, but what they want to bring in, the abundance, the prosperity, the uh, affluence. Just picture money coming in from all different directions. I use green candles for money, and usually we'll put some showers of gold oil on it, a little bit of green or gold glitter, some money-drawing incenses, and light that sucker up and just imagine (laughs) that you are just overwhelmed with money. So you want to think always positive Always what you do want to grow, not what you don't want to grow when you're working it.
1: That makes sense. And as far yeah, as the smoke that's...
3: goes, when
1: mm-hmm. we're talking
3: about the soot, black soot around the inside of the candle means that you're hitting resistance, that there's problems with this, that it's, it's having trouble going through. White soot means that you have divine assistance, that your angels, your spirit guides, God, goddess, divine influence is at play there.
1: Well, that makes it interesting.
2: Yeah. You mentioned using a green candle.
1: What colors are are best to use for relationship
2: or for assistance of others? Is there specific colors that work best?
3: The good news is that white is the presence of all colors rather than the absence of color. And so you can use white for any purpose at all. Otherwise, you just use basic candle magic. So if we were looking at relationships, we would want, Pink or red if it's a romantic relationship. Pink tends to be a more um, innocent, romantic, sweet relationship, whereas red is more passionate. We could also go for a yellow or an orange because that's joy and happiness and just an overwhelming feeling of being provided for and feeling comfortable and confident. And those are always great aspects to a relationship.
1: And what about for healing? What colors do you use for healing?
3: I like blue. Um, blue conv- and blue and purple convey some of the highest energy because of, for all of the years uh, that royalty only wore those. They were very expensive dyes to make. And so for many, many years, you you could only wear blue, and this really kind of started with Henry VIII, you could only wear blue or purple if you were royalty. And so that conveyed an access to the highest level of medical care. And so within our DNA structure, we kind of have an, an attachment of blue and purple with healing. Also with blue, it's, a, a piece of tranquility, and we're not usually very peaceful or tw- tranquil if we're ill. So that's a good. Cu- those are both good for healing. Again, the oranges and the yellows for vibrance, happiness, joy. You can even use pink if you're trying to heal a skin wound, because beneath the skin surfaces, most healthy healthy tissue is pink.
4: Hmm.
2: What if <sighs> a person has passed on and you you want to give them assistance in their journey?
3: I would always use purple or white for that.
2: Okay. That's good. You know,
3: because that's really going to talk to that crown chakra, which -hmm. is the closest egress we have to our higher selves. And so we want to be working at a very high level if we're we're helping spirits along.
1: I have another question from our audience, and they want to know what candles to use to increase their own psychic abilities.
3: Again, purple, purple's the way to go for that. It absolutely, will wake up that higher, the higher two chakras. That's really what you want to get going is that third eye chakra and your crown chakra to open that up and get it to flow. Purple will, and then just sitting with that candle. And that's the other thing. You know, people always ask me, should I just light it and let it go, or should I burn it and put it out? Um, it, you'll be intuitively led how to burn it. But if you burn it straight down, you're going to at some time walk away from it. And the more you sit with that candle and really push yourself into the divine working of that candle, the stronger your magic is going to be. So in something like psychic development, I would light it for an hour, two hours every night and just sit there with it, opening yourself up to those divine processes.
1: Well, that's great information. That's wonderful. Now, have you also worked with fairy magic, and have you had any experience with the fairy people?
3: Oh, it's so amazing you ask me that. I've, I've got to admit something that's painful for me to admit, and that is that Uh-oh. for probably 20, 25 years, I completely scoffed at fairy magic. I thought that was just so unicorn. Just oh, that is adorable. <laughs> ha ha. That is so sweet. Then 14 years ago, I moved Oh gosh, 15 years ago now. I moved to the mountains, and when I say I moved to the mountains, I mean we have no commerce in this town. You have to drive 25 minutes to get a gallon of milk. We are isolated from everything. There is one road out of town. And so we bought a house up here on 2 acres and it is owned by the fairies, and they put me straight right away.
5: Oh, my.
3: What did they My do? piece of paper did not matter to them that said that I own this house. <laughs> so I immediately began incorporating uh, fairy circles and, and honoring the fairies, and I've had tremendous experience with them. In fact, in our book um, called The Cusp, A New Way to Walk an Old Path, we talk about an experience we had with the fairies, where they actually manifested fairy shoes in the circle, and so. And I've I've got a plaque that says "Don't piss off the fairies,"
0: because
3: <laughs> we are enormously respectful now of the fairies, and we've done many mea for anything we believed before.
1: <laughs> now, how did Wouldn't you they- know that they were there on the property? Did you see them? I mean. How did you how did you understand that they they owned that land?
3: I my son who is now 19 was four when we moved here, and when I got onto the property, I, I honestly did not see the house or the property until we had already signed purchase paper mortgage papers on it and drove the U-Haul to the house. I told my husband, go out and find a house for me. And he did. And I purposely did not see the house until we were moving the day we moved in. And I moved into the house, went out into our backyard, and the hair went up on the back of my neck. And I could feel so many presences out there. But they were not the typical, oh, look, this place has a few ghosts here. or This place has some unusual activity. No, they were very specific, frenetic little presences And I was working with it for several days, and my little boy came to me, and he said, Mom, did you see the fairies? And (laughs) I thought he was talking about this huge wave of dragonflies that we had had come through. And I said, well, honey, those are dragonflies. Here, let me show you a picture of them. And he said, no, 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 no. He said, they're only dragonflies if you look at them with your eyes.
1: Oh, my goodness. goodness. And I thought, oh, my
3: gosh, we have got, a freaking fairy infestation here.
1: <laughs> and
3: so I ha- I called my, at the time I had a very active circle, and I called them up, and we we're about 90 minutes from them, and they all came up, and we did a dedicated fairy circle and put out little cups of milk and honey for them and uh, little shiny stones, little things for them to play with. And the next morning when we went out, there were two little orange shoes about oh a quarter of an inch long, and I've got pictures oh of God. one of them in my book. Ah, and I was like, I was stupid, and I picked them up and took them inside and thinking, oh, these have been left for me. And then the next few days when I went outside, there was just this radiant hostility out there, and I oh. realized I wasn't supposed to take the shoes. And I put the shoes back, and
1: they were gone. So why did they leave little shoes for you then, since you weren't supposed to I, take them?
3: I think they got drunk off the milk and honey and forgot them. <laughs> like where are my shoes and why does this broad have them
1: oh my gosh
2: (laughs) I'm curious how could you be so brave as to tell your husband to go out and find you a place to live without ever seeing it that's That's bravery
3: (laughs) I've got a great husband (laughs) I tell him go find me a house or go find me a car and he'll do either one just fine
1: (laughs) oh my gosh You've got to love it. Well, you're living right, Katrina. There is no question, no question about that. Now, where can people see the picture of the fairy shoes? Which, which book is that in?
3: We wrote a book called CUSP, C-U-S-P. It stands for Climbing Up the Spiral Pathway. And that is the book that outlines our spiritual path that we developed and that we've practiced for 20 years now. And in that book, under the summer solstice section, is the the discussion about the fairies, and that's because the fairies, always the summer fairies for us, come in at summer solstice and then they leave at winter solstice and turn it over to the winter fairies.
1: There's winter fairies versus summer fairies, and what's the difference? You wouldn't even
3: oh boy,
0: <laughs>
3: there are. <laughs> oh. It's it, it's really in when you're when you're catching the side sideways glance of them. It's how they look. They have a much different feel to them. The They're not as frivolous as the little summer fairies are. The summer fairies are all about playing and having fun and enjoying themselves. The the winter
1: fairies are very serious. They're the ones that oh, take nice. your stuff. <laughs> oh, they do a little thievery. What kinds of things do they take?
3: Oh, flash drives, lighters. Um, right now I'm missing the doll, one of the dolls that I use for remote limpias. They've walked off with that. <laughs> And oh my goodness! Sometimes you just you just have to kind of have the come to Jesus meeting with them, where you say, "Look, here's a bunch of pennies and some glass marbles, giving my stuff back."
1: Wow. Well, at least yeah. you know what to trade them with, you know, to get your stuff back. So it's oh, that was a trial things. and error. Oh.
3: Yeah, that let me me tell you, they they don't like raisins.
1: <laughs> they don't like raisins. Okay, no raisins for fairies. All right. I put, and yeah, I
3: put raisins out in the fairy circle, which is quite a distance from my house. I mean, it's way out in my main circle, out by the earth labyrinth. And I put a pile of raisins out there. And I tell you, when I opened the door the next day, every single one of those raisins was on my doorstep.
1: Ah! Oh, <laughs> <okay. laughs> so that was their way of saying, "Hey, we don't want your raisins. No raisins. You <laughs> can keep them. No raisins. So when when you leave out milk and honey. Does the milk and honey disappear or does it you just know the energy from it has been taken?
3: I wish it was just energy. Oh no, they have a frat party. When you I leave it out in little goblets, maybe seven or eight little goblets, and when I go back out the next morning, those goblets are knocked over and the um you know, anything I put out there is scattered all all over the place.
1: Oh, my goodness. So they do have a party there. That's hilarious. I love Thank it. You. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Now, your son, does he? is he still able to see them?
3: I haven't asked him in a while. He's 19 now and works in a sporting goods store, so who knows? Okay. But he, re- he does remember saying that, and he does remember seeing them mm-hmm. at the time. But he's a spiritual little guy, so I'm going to guess probably.
1: Yeah, oh my, what an amazing experience with those fairies. As you have so many great stories to tell about them. You should do a book just on that. They
3: probably wouldn't like that very much.
1: They wouldn't. Oh, so you have to keep your mouth shut
3: about them too. Uh-oh. Plus, I don't want to turn into the Coddington
1: girls, you know. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Oh, my goodness. Well, it's funny, last last week I was in the laundry room and I, I heard this flute music and it was very enchanting and I thought, where's that coming from? And because I knew my husband was downstairs in the basement somewhere and I'm up on the third level and I'm hearing this music, but it was, it was, I mean, it's the only word I can think of to describe it, Katrina, it was absolutely enchanting. So I walked out in kind of a fog looking for this music and then I realized that it, nobody was playing it in this reality. And I have a little fairy altar, and that's where it was coming from. And it, it was it was a beautiful moment. I really enjoyed it. I was very grateful. If you have something that's
2: missing, which is strange, my mother gave me her diamond earrings, and I've had them for years. And all of a sudden, they've disappeared. I can find them nowhere all. I've been through everything, every possible place. How does one check out if, if how they've walked away or gone away or whatever? Because I know they weren't taken, taken. They were taken. Does that make sense? My
3: my go to on that, I actually on my website I have a candle and some oil that is to entice the fairies to give you your things back. But my go to is always Saint Anthony. Um mm-hmm. he's, He's an absolute pimp for finding things. If you <laughs> you just say the words three times, Saint Anthony, Saint Anthony, please look around. Something is lost and now must be found. And then you redirect your attention off of the item and do things completely different uh, from from focusing on the item. And almost always it'll pop up.
1: Ah, that's wonderful. Okay, well, you, have got to try that, PK. I well, unfortunately, <laughs> we are out of time, and Katrina. Thank you so much for an absolutely delightful time this evening with you. Again, the name of the book, everybody, is Crossroads of Conjure: The Roots and Practices of Granny Magic, Hoodoo, Cujeria, and Corandirismo. And Katrina's website is Two Sisters Botanica. Make sure you go It is a gorgeous website. She has lots of things on yes, there that it that will will absolutely pique your interest. And, Katrina, thank you again. We've got to have you back. We have so much to talk about. Thanks again. Thank you so much for having me. It was such a joy to talk to you ladies. Thank you. Oh, it was a delight having you, dear. Yes, thank you. Good night, everybody. Thank we'll you. be back next week. You. See you on the Blue Highway. Good night.
0: Thanks for listening. Tune in next week for another radio adventure with Supernatural.
1: fabulous that was so much fun oh,
3: thank you I'm that sorry I talked over cool. you those times
1: <laughs> no don't worry about it we do it all the time and you know it It worked out extremely it. well yeah we do it every time but really you are such a fabulous guest and we couldn't have had more fun tonight Thank I'm you. I'm so glad it was fun for me too well great and I'm going to go look for your other books because we're going to have you back on for sure I'd love that. Thank you so much. And I'm trying trying to
2: write, I was trying to write really quickly about St. Anthony three times uh, (laughs) uh, looking around. Yeah. uh, Isn't that pathetic? (laughs) St. Anthony,
3: (laughs) St. Anthony, please look around. Something is lost and now must be found. I use it all the time.
2: Okay. (laughs) I need to find these before my daughter kills me because they're supposed to go to her next.
3: (laughs) Do some pendulum work too. Oh, Okay. okay. Right. You can even take draw a rough outline of your house, like the in mm-hmm. the floor plan of your house, and just hold your pendulum over it and see where
2: it gets active. Okay.
3: Walk around uh, your this, house with your pendulum and see where it starts to move.
2: About two years ago, I lost my, a gold band bracelet that my husband had given me years ago when the children were small. He since passed away 45 years ago. So these bracelets were important to me. All of a sudden... They disappeared. Yet I wore them almost every day. And four months later they show up in a desk drawer. And I never put jewelry in the desk drawer.
0: hmm
2: So I thought, Okay, little buggers.
0: Yeah, I hear you for <laughs> sure.
3: My mother when she she passed away and left me some of her jewelry and in her jewelry was it was this bracelet that I got from Avon that had mother written on it in several different languages. And my mother had passed, and my mother-in-law, I was trying to figure out something to give her for her birthday, and I thought, you know, it would be meaningful if I passed that bracelet along to her. And so I went to get the bracelet in the trunk, the locked trunk, where I keep my mother's items, and it was gone. Ah, horrible. Yeah, and then um, I ended up getting something else for my mother-in-law as soon as it was the other item was in my mother-in-law's hands, I found that bracelet just out on my dresser. And I thought, Mom, you little cuss. She oh! did not want She <laughs> that was her bracelet. <laughs> she had plans for
1: that bracelet. Oh,
3: Apparently no so. But there's just oh, so no, many reasons, funny. not of our world, that our stuff goes away. and
1: yeah, That's true. I just yeah, believe that,
3: you know, when we pass on, there's some wonderful heavenly moment where we get back all the stuff we lost.
2: <laughs>
1: that's gonna be oh, interesting. Oh, that's a good thought. Yeah. <laughs> they better bring a for me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, Katrina, um, we'll be sure to stay in touch, and also, um, you know, if you have any ideas on what you'd like to come back and talk about, just let me know.
3: I would love that, and really, any time. And usually I can do it on a day or two notice if you have cancellations or something. Just let me know. Wednesday night was when my grandson used to always come over, and that was his time, so that was kind of a tough time for me.
1: But I got him
3: shifted. He's 14. Uh, He can be adaptable. (laughs) Oh, okay. (laughs) Good job. Good job. Yeah. Well, thanks
1: again. This is absolutely great. Thank you so much. I'm so glad. You ladies, Uh, take care.
2: Okay, you, you too. too. Thank
1: Good you. night. So bye bye bye.